Hi, you're listening to Inner Light with Ellen. I'm your host, Ellen Wyoming Deloy. This is the show where you get insights and information on coaching, personal development, and important issues of our time. If you have been with us for a while, please head over to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review so more people can find us. Lastly, if you haven't been there yet, head to my website, ellenwyomingdeloy.com, and be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll get tips and insights Insights weekly, and you'll never miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this one. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I wanted to talk today a, a little bit about mindfulness and meditation. Um, I, I finally feel like, so I'll, here's the quick disclaimer. Um, I'm not the expert, but I have expertise to my level of experience. And I finally, um, um, fine. I feel like finally is the wrong word because it even, that even feels like striving in and of itself, but it's just, I've come to the realization that I'm at a point in a place that feels quite different. Um, than where I was about a year and a half ago because of an actual consistent meditation practice that I've been in, well, since October of 2020. Um, and, and what is that? 12, 13, 14, like 14, 15 months of consistent practice. And um, my life is both different and the same. And you know, it's also been a weird couple of years for everyone. And I'm just um, realizing some of the, some of the benefits of it in a way that I wanted to share about, and I'm doing additional reflection. I'm kind of going back to some key basic um, like books on the topic that I've actually not read. I just started the practice. Like I didn't read things. I didn't feel like I had to research it. I just dove in and sort of made myself accountable to be consistent. And, um, I think one of the things I'll, I'll notice is that yesterday while I was driving, um, my son was really, we had, we had a, we had a appointment and he really didn't want to get out the door in a timely manner. And it was kind of a thing because we would be late, but the whole time I was like, you know, there's, there's like the world isn't going to end if we're late. And rather than forcing and having a real battle of the wills, I need to just kind of chill out, pull out of my need for him to be on point where I am in the moment. And like, I just was like, okay, cool. I see that you're really upset and you don't want to leave our cozy, warm house and go out into the rainy, dark Pacific Northwest. I get it. I didn't say that, but you know, I could see he didn't want to leave and he was comfortable and he wanted to, to keep doing what he was doing. So I just went about, I found my socks, I was getting my shoes on, I was getting my coat on. I was just going through the motions of getting ready to go out the door. And finally he got up and he was like, fine, I'm coming. And I didn't have to push. And I was really noticing how the energy of our interaction is what um, helped it. And what I want to say is, is I pulled my energy out of his space of him, me needing him to do something to meet my need and my expectation as soon as I withdrew my energy from his space, he was able to sit there 
and have his own moment where he goes, okay, weird. Is mom just going to leave without me? And my husband was home. So he wouldn't have been home alone. Um, cause you know, he's young, <laughs> he's not like a teenager. And, um, and, and he was able to have the choice because, you know, he's old enough to know about consequences and not following through on things and knowing that if we miss something, it's a missed opportunity. And, I didn't have to explain any of it to him. Like he has his own sense of logic and reasoning, but logic and reasoning wasn't going to meet him where his emotional desire was. And so me pushing on him was going to make him resist even more. It was going to create sort of a battle of wills and um, that doesn't work. And I attribute my understanding of how my energy is moving to really being inside of a solid meditation practice and mindfulness practice. And that is um, simply said and not easily done. I know. I think that there are a lot of you out there, a lot of you listening who, I don't know, sometimes I have this imaginary conversation where people are like, well, yeah, Ellen, your life is this. So of course it works for you. And I often want to retaliate that my life is no different, right? Retaliate, respond. See, I'm not perfect. (laughs) I want to fight back, but, um, my life is not that different. Um, I do have different situations and scenarios, but it's a lot of it is, um, incumbent upon my perspective of what my life is and, um, adjusting to what's true in the moment, not always being happy with it. Right. I, I'm not always in agreement with what's happening in the moment. Um, for anyone who's been with me for a while knows the struggle of like, where are we going to live for the next number of years keeps coming up for me. And I'm like, wow, I can't solve this problem. I can't find the answer. And I'm just going to have to be like accepting of it. And I'm not in agreement with it being unsolved, but I'm allowing it to be what it is because the more I push against it, the more I actually feel the answer escaping me. And the more I ease into where I'm at in the moment and not worrying about it, I have more space for movement and creativity. I know that will lead to some sort of a solution. And not that I'm being predictive about it. Like, I really don't know, but I'm okay with the not knowing now. And I'm okay with not knowing because I've had enough practice in my own life experience that I know that not knowing works out for me at times. And I know that not pushing when something is not ready to yield is right because the things will ripen. And I have to say that's reminding me of another thought I had about a week ago when I was thinking about housing and schools and all that kind of stuff. I was like, wow, all of a sudden. So, you know, if you've also been with me, you know that I'm a clairvoyant. I see energy. Um, I give readings to folks to say hello to what's going on in their space to really help them have some more clarity of the energy underneath the story or the perspective that they're inside of. It's a descriptive practice. I describe what I see, but I do not prescribe solutions or answers. And I absolutely do not predict the future, but I can see what's happening in present time. And sometimes it gives a hint of what's unfolding. And for me, when I was driving down the highway, I saw an unripe pear. And how many of you are guilty because you're so excited to eat this really delicious piece of fruit that you don't realize that it's actually not quite ripe yet and it's not going to be very good. And as I was thinking about this housing question, 
I was like, I'm trying to bite into an unripe pear and sure it might provide the nourishment, have a tiny bit of sweetness, but it's going to be really unsatisfying. And this was the kind of, this was actually, excuse me, the day last week where we were almost ready to buy a house. And I was like, this isn't, it, it, it hits a number of the marks that we need, but it doesn't feel right. And it feels absolutely rushed. And we don't need to rush this. There's no reason to rush this other than the fact that I am incredibly impatient for an answer. And so we pulled back on it to let the fruit continue to ripen. And that's kind of what what having a mindfulness practice has allowed me to have is it's allowed me to have more objectivity and separation from my thoughts and emotions, which can be incredibly powerful. Um, My friend, Dr. Tia Ho, who... If you're, again, I've introduced her, she's been on the show, um, go follow her, find her, read her stuff, get on her newsletter, actually, in particular, her newsletter is um, just really insightful. She is so, she is so good at understanding these things and she brings it um, from a more scientific and evidence-based kind of practice around the way that our minds think, our neurons work, our thoughts are, um, where I'm very energy-based and sort of more um, subtle energy and experientially oriented. So we we differ in our approaches, but I so love and value how she works. And it informs me a lot in terms of understanding sometimes, because I'll learn from her quite a bit. Um, but she was, she talks about thought mares. And um, so she's a trauma survivor. So Tia, I hope you don't mind I'm chatting about you right now. Um, she's a trauma survivor. She had a violent childhood and she talks about this. And um, so she has through her own work and practices, and she'll be the first one to say it's not perfect either, but she is, she has this um, way of practice to separate herself from her thoughts because her thought mares are things that start to punish her, right. Or tell her, um, which is make her really anxious in the world. And I experienced these too. Like the thought mares are, I'm not going to know where to live. I'm not going to find the right school for my kids. I'm not going to, this, that, or the other. And I like that concept of the thought mirror because it's like, you're not present. You're manifesting um, imaginative, predictive futures that haven't happened yet. And then your body is having an actual emotional response that is upping cortisol and upping stress. And what mindfulness and meditation have done for me and that Tia talks about too, which is why I brought her up, but is that it's given me the space to have objectivity, to notice that my thoughts are not me and I'm separate from them. They're a product of many things that go through um, my mind or an energy I'll hit in the environment that'll trigger a memory related to that energy that will then kind of reactivate it in my space, even though it's not real or present in my truth in the moment. And I have, because of a consistent practice, a way of seeing that for what it is, as opposed to feeling like it's happening to me. I'm just noticing that it's going through. It's almost like... Our minds and our bodies and our spirits are this really beautiful interconnected essence that makes us who we are. But so much of what we're at in mind, body, and spirit is unconscious to us in the moment to moment because we're not being present. That's all mindfulness and meditation is asking us to do in its simplest form. There's no magic wand. It is just about getting present to get enough space from the thoughts and emotions that are whipping through. And this is like a, maybe one purpose of meditation as well. Like one benefit of a lot more that exist 
but to have that breath and go, ah, I am not my thoughts. I am me and my thoughts are going through. And then a moment of going, ah, I am not my past experience. I am me in present time. And I went through that experience, right? And it depends on your worldview. Like, are we also a cumulative product of our lifelong experiences? Yes. And most of it's unconscious, but when we get conscious to it, we can even start to see that our experiences are not us. We are an ever-present, stable, I mean, it's the reason I named my business Inner Light Coaching, right? We're a stable, present, inner light, animated into a body for some reason, for some, like, like somehow this all works. <laughs> and and we're, we're here to, I don't know, I think we're here to learn and grow and expand. And I think we're here to create and also destroy what doesn't work for us. And I don't mean that in like the sort of way we see a lot of destruction happening, like in our real, in the, in the, in the reality, as it seems in the day-to-day, right. Climate destruction, government destruction, like all these destructive elements, but it's about in our own ability to be present and start to see what is actually us and what is something that we're experiencing we can start to create and destroy what is real and not real for us in our experience. I'm talking about it more at an energetic level in that more ethereal sense of where thoughts originate from or are received or are put out. And we can choose which ones we want to create and which ones we want to destroy. And if you are choosing through unconscious behavior to create constant negative toxic thinking patterns because you haven't learned to separate yourself from the thoughts and you're always interpolating your reality as to the things that are happening to you, you're not sovereign in your own self and unconscious behaviors and external conditions are actually doing the shaping of your experience. I'm going to pause for a minute because that's kind of a thick concept to, to hold on to. So I'll talk about the con- the the opposite. <clears throat> when you're intentionally creating from thought into word into form what is good or works for you, something that is more conducive to expansion, expression, um what you could call love, like originating from more of an enthusiastic joyful place as opposed to a fear-based response you're creating and you're destroying the patterns of toxic, um, I guess what's that call it toxic productivity, right? We can produce things in a toxic way, or we can produce things in a productive way and um, produce things in a positive way. Maybe I could say it that way, or even more, I don't want to even put it into the binary of positive and negative because there's always going to be elements of both and whatever we choose It's more like having the space to want to create something in a way that is beneficial to our truth, right? And that could be perceived as good to one person and bad to another because of what it is we're choosing for ourselves to learn and grow. 
Um, if someone is really rooted in um, a material sense of status and worth and not believing that they've made it until X, Y, or Z conditions have been met, for them to watch me choose like less money so that I have more time to pursue more peace, they might view that as bad because of the financial status or stability or something that is not matching to what their picture is. But for me, it's really great because I don't need as much to feel anchored and stable, right? We can't put on other people what our truth is. My truth is only mine. And there may be a lot of commonalities across people for what is true for us. But for me to walk around in a day-to-day with like close interpersonal relationships, assuming that their truth is also my truth is imposing again, my will and energy onto them in a way that is disrespectful and unbecoming, but we all unconsciously do it a lot. And when you get conscious to it, you start to get really careful about where are your boundaries bleeding over into somebody else's space? Cause it's your responsibility to manage your own energy and Meditation and mindfulness helps you start to do that. So this is how it's really been helpful for me. And as a clairvoyant reader, as an intuitive, it really helps because my truth isn't their truth. I'm there to say hello because they would like to know more about what is in their space to become conscious to them because I have refined and built this muscle. I can help that. And I certainly don't think I'm at the end of a journey. I think that I'm going to continue to learn and unpack and unfold more things. I'm watching my practice change even month to month based on just kind of what continues to unfold as I get to meet more people and different experiences. That's educational for me as well to see the myriad of truths. And I'm getting to a point where I'm realizing, wow, there's not a singular truth There's a multiplicity of truths, and we are here collectively to experience them as, I don't know, humanity. And I'm not in agreement with all of them. I'm not here to talk. I think that um, something that's been really interesting lately that I've been kind of paying a little bit of attention to is the tendency for spiritual bypassing, for people to be using meditation or mindfulness or spirituality to like ascend above the chaos of what is so that they feel better, right? And it's something, it's escapism that says, well, I'm above the problems of racism and xenophobia and whatever. So I'm over here. I'm like enlightened, but that's a complete vacuum of attention to acknowledge what is that is truly painful for somebody else. And it's dismissing them by saying that you're better than them by being spiritually above it. And I do not believe that that is an appropriate way to use meditation, mindfulness, or spirituality. And I think if you get into the meat of it, I can tell I like, I can already feel that this is ticking some people off. So sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Um, but what the purpose of it is, is to get into your truth and also allow the thing that is happening that you don't agree with to have its space And then from your truth, understand what's the action you may want to take or not to take to address that. And that's where it gets sticky because you end up getting to sit in discomfort in ways that are new. 
we avoid discomfort so much as a species. And I truly do believe that so many of the problems that we face in the world today are because of the avoidance of discomfort and shuffling things under the rug that we don't get to give space to that which is painful for it to actually be processed and transmuted. This is why, this is partly why I left my job and and why I could no longer work in the way that I was working. This is like a little hot button, but I got really frustrated because I was working in a pretty progressive environment that was doing a lot of effort and work to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what I saw is the barriers, despite all the good intentions of the of the people there to be more inclusive or look at hiring practices or understand multiple points of view, it couldn't be solved at a policy level because at the individual level, people were so afraid of their shame and their pain that they couldn't get it going. And they've made progress. I'm not, I'm not saying it didn't work and I'm not saying it didn't push conversations forward and push people into discomfort in really intense ways. But doing it at a policy level was really challenging because there was such a lack of expertise and support in the building to help people deal with the shame and pain that was coming up for them when it happened that shut them down. And on all sides, I would say the frustration from the people who were waiting for a chance to have more equity and then not being met with what was on paper constantly. And then for the people who were trying to do the thing that was on paper, but not knowing how to change internally to shift to a more multiple perspective of many truths for how to be more inclusive is really challenging. And I could see this and what I mostly got was frustrated. And then I felt like I could have some good one-to-one conversations with people because I was tasked with facilitating a lot of large group conversations around this and experiencing the pain and frustration and anger on all sides of the equation, people from myriads of backgrounds and gender identities and race backgrounds. And I was like, yeah, this is a really hard thing. Like government policy can't just solve this. It's the one-to-one level that will eventually solve this. And it was not an (laughs) unweighty task to realize I wanted to work with people one-to-one, not about how to be more diverse, equitable, and inclusive, but how to deal with your unfolding realizations of discomfort when you start to get present to experience more truth, regardless of what that projected outcome is supposed to quote unquote look like. Not enough people have the tools to sit with that, to enact change rapidly. So change is kind of being forced upon us in these weird ways, right? Like, I don't know why the pandemic happened, but it's causing a lot of turnover and upheaval and pressure. And it's almost like a forced turning in is required to begin to know how to deal with this. Like, I don't know, did we, I can't, I can't even make predictions or assumptions about why things happened. But I can sit in meditation and mindfulness 
and see my discomfort for what it is and ask it what it's actually trying to protect me from. Or what am I trying to avoid in the discomfort? What's underneath the discomfort? And that's what this has really been about for me. And I'm in, yeah, I'm in like month 15 of a consistent, I'd say nearly daily. It's not always daily, but it's probably five times a week practice of 20 to 30 minutes of meditation a day. So it's not a ton, right? It could be more, it could be less, but the other thing I've started to realize it's more about the quality of the sit that I'm in rather than the duration of it, right? So better, faster, harder, stronger is not the approach to take with this. And I've been removing that sort of mentality from my life in big chunks because it doesn't work for me anymore. It worked in a striving environment, in a performative environment, in a perfectionism environment. That kind of stuff works in those places, but that doesn't serve any of my truth at this point. I know that those were all a facade for me. They were all a perfect picture I was trying to complete, and they're not real. What's real is me figuring out what on earth is inside of the onion peel and more peace and calmness, and then feet to stand on so that I can stand up for what is right for me. And not at the harm or detriment of others. I'm still interested in social issues. I'm still interested in the present environment and the world today. I feel like a part of my purpose is like encountering pain and learning how to transmute it and helping others to do that in like a non-clinical, non-therapeutic, non-I-have-to-be-a-credentialed-licensed-clinical-psychologist kind of way. It's a spiritual practice and that's what I'm about. So it's, that's today. That's kind of what I'm thinking about in like the big picture of things. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, you can find me. Oh, I want to tell you, I've started to experiment a bit. I have this um, client who is really open to it and I was kind of excited. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a thing. Um, My coaching is going to shift again, right? I've just created new packages for the year, but it's, it's really about getting the benefit of my seeing energy and working with energy inside of a coaching construct. That's going to be probably the most uh, likely to move forward because it really does bring together the things I'm always juggling And for some reason have felt like I needed to keep them separate and, um, putting them together. So you can book intuitive readings for me, just like one off one at a time, or you can, if you really want to dive into this kind of work, right. Supported work, building a practice, figuring out how to unpack the layers that you're going through in your own spiritual growth. I'm never going to project my point of view on you in coaching. Like I'm being myself right here to tell you who I am. So you understand that. But I'm going to look at your energy and I'm going to, you're going to tell me through your energy, through what I see, what's your truth. And then you're going to have or not have it. You're going to know if it feels right or not. Like people will tell me, yeah, that validates this experience I've had. And this is what this means to me. And I'm like, cool. I don't know that, but you know that. And that's for you to have. And then I'll work with you as a coach. What does that mean in the day-to-day for an action step to help anchor that? So you're stepping out of the illusion into your truth, right? That's what this is. And um, yeah, so like maybe I'll still work with entrepreneurs and all that kind of stuff too, or executives, 
working on their own ability to, to coach their teams. Like that's fine. That's very practical. That's very based in my professional experience, but the other part for the life coaching, like that's really where this is going. So stay tuned or reach out if you're curious, it's not on the website. So you're the first to know. Um, but you can find me at ellenwyomingdeloy.com and you can review all of the, all the offerings there. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you soon.